Hope for the Hopeless is the title today. Where does hope come from? Hope for the future? Hope for dealing and getting through the circumstances that we are facing? Biblical hope, I came across this sort of definition. I really like this one. Biblical hope. Hope is confident expectation of what God has promised. Confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is based in his faithfulness. If a situation or or something is hopeless... We, we can, we often know that as not being good at something or, uh, the, the synonyms for hopeless, are, uh, there are plenty, you know, of sad and dispirited, dejected and downcast. And I imagine we have all experienced some form of, of, of hopelessness at, at some point in our life. Around the world there has always been and there will always be hopelessness. Some of the worst stories and the worst circumstances of hopelessness come out of of war and, and genocide. I've heard firsthand from and I may have shared this before, but a first-hand story of a a Bosnian family. Um, She was actually a work colleague of mine, and uh, she shared this story with me about 10 years ago. And so it was around 15 years after the event, but she was talking as if it was just yesterday. In their... In country Bosnia, in uh, on their their farm, their big house that they had with her, fa- her husband and three children, they got word that quickly the Serbian soldiers were closing in on their town, and they only had time just to grab a few things. And in grabbing a few things, they only had time to hide on their own property within earshot of the footsteps of the soldiers walking up their driveway. They burned their house to the ground. And she hid in the bushes with her three children and her husband. What a hopeless situation that must have felt like. Can't do anything. Lost everything. Death is like imminent. Isaiah 39, we, we saw last week, it, it ends with the prophecy of the captivity of the Jews to Babylon. And it's around 200 years away. What's being prophesied in 8th century BC is going to happen to the Jews going to Babylon in, in 6th century BC. And, and Jerusalem is going to be brought to its knees. 
the people are going to be taken away by this army of people, this huge world empire, this force. King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, a foreign land, a foreign power. And for some where death would be imminent, I'm sure they would feel hopeless. Where does hope come from? Just this week I was talking to a local trader in in Monty and uh, it's nice when people are honest when you say, hey, how are you going? <laughs> and he said, look, Josh, you know, business is actually okay because of our location. But he said it just feels hopeless, this situation, the circumstances of life in the community. It just feels hopeless. This global pandemic is is impacting on, on people of all ages, of all socioeconomic uh, divides and groups. Yes, I recognise perhaps more actually on, on the lower socioeconomic, but everyone is impacted in a way. No matter your political views or uh, opinions on vaccines and, or lockdowns, we, we, we agree that it's impacted on the way that we live. On businesses and livelihoods and our mental health. And relationships. And people all around the world are searching and looking for hope. Where will people find hope? Where will hope come from? People are are searching to politicians, looking for hope. A business package. A timeline to come out of lockdown. Some just want the footy on. Some think that's... That's their big hope for life. Get footy back and uh, everything's all right then. We've been looking at Isaiah all year this year and some of it's been hard. There, there haven't been much, uh, much hope given in chapters 1 to 39. Just hints here and there. Predominantly judgment on, on, a, on a people who are not repentant, disobedient. People shall be ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing, but never perceiving. Go on speaking, God said to Isaiah. Go on speaking until the land is a desolate waste. And so this prophecy is actually talking about what, what God was saying to Isaiah back there in chapter 6. Go on speak, and, and, and he's prophesying about that in 6th century BC. That's going to come, that's happening. The land will be a desolate waste. And now in chapter 40, you might have a little title in your Bible that says part 2 or section 2 and things are changing. There's a second summons by God to cry out, a cry of joy, a work of God, a cause for hope. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her 
that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. God is faithful. In this first couple of verses, it's a wonderful introduction to not only the second half of Isaiah, but just to this short passage in verses 1 to 11. We see that God is faithful. It's no mistake that that comfort that word comfort is mentioned twice. It's it's to really bring emphasis of the emotion and and the importance of the message. Comfort, comfort my people. Says your God, my people, your God. He has not abandoned them. They're going to face captivity and they'll be there for 70 years and your stories of Daniel in the lion's den and all that and the guys in the fiery furnace but God hasn't abandoned his people. God is loving. Speak, he says, not in anger, justice. That time has come. It's gone. They've been in exile, but God is faithful. And now's the time to speak tenderly, lovingly. Now's the time to bring comfort to my people. Isn't that God forgiving? Don't you love this part here? It says their hard service has been completed. The sin has been paid for. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The, 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 the warfare is over. The hostility between, between God and, and his people is finished. And there's now an opportunity for, for peace and restoration, for reconciliation, because there's a price that has been paid. And it seems that this payment for sin has come not from the people, but from somewhere else. We have this picture image, this, uh, this, this words here that she has received from the Lord's hand, double for her sins. The, the double that, that is mentioned here gives a picture of a, a folding of paper. Uh, I, have started folding the in-touches, not recently in lockdown on a Friday. I, I tend to rush them a little bit. Hopefully you don't notice it too much. I don't always get them right on the corners facing each other. Sorry about that. But this is talking about paper that is folded perfectly to match the other. It's a mirror image. And it's saying a payment for sin has been made that perfectly matches the sin. It meets the requirements perfectly. There's no shortfall. And if you know much of Isaiah, you know that the, the climax of this second half is, is in Isaiah 53 the suffering servant where he's wounded for our transgressions, he's crushed for our iniquities, chastised to bring us peace and an end to hostility. All our sin, 
and iniquities laid on him. And of course, Jesus, God in flesh, applies that to himself. The son of man who came to be served, who came not to be, to serve, uh, sorry, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. When life seems hopeless, Isaiah says there is hope in the faithful, loving, forgiving God. And he points his, he puts his finger right on the problem for the people. The problem is sin, is hostility with God, is being separated from God. And that's the same problem for humanity today. The problem is sin. The problem is people are enemies of God, are separated from God. And then he says, this is the solution God has. The price has been paid. You're not earning it. You don't work for it. The price has come from somewhere else. And it's come from God through Jesus. The perfect double for our sins. The perfect price. And then we come to these three voices. Voice one, hope comes from the presence of God. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. The, the imagery here, perhaps not so common for us, but very common for the 6th to 8th century BC individual. They would specifically build processional highways for, for royalty, for kings and, and queens and dignitaries. Maybe the closest thing we have today is the laying out of the red carpet. We have that in, a, in the formal sense in, in parts of the world with, with queens and kings and royalties and uh, people around the world, presidents, and they have the red carpet laid out, sometimes from the aeroplane on the tarmac to their car. Even in, in an informal way, we, informal way, sorry, we have that like at the, the presentations of, of theatres and the opening night and the red carpet at, even the Brownlow, I think, they have a red carpet. <laughs> but this is like no other. This is like n- nothing that man could ever create. Valleys filled up, mountains blasted, rough fields made like a plain. This is a supernatural work of God. An extraordinary act of God to construct a a processional highway for himself in coming to his people. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. All mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. 
the, the personal God of Israel will be revealed to his people. It is public and it will be seen by all mankind and it is certain to happen. It is certain to happen because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In the very short term, the Israelites see something of this fulfilled in their release of captivity. God orchestrates their delivery and he goes before them to bring them home to their promised land. But then beyond that, Israel, given this hope of this supernatural, powerful intervention of the Lord himself coming to visit his people and they wait and they wait and they wait and in Luke 3 chapter verse sorry chapter 3 verse 4 verse uh we'll start at verse 2 actually Luke 3 verse 2 during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas the word of God came to John son of Zechariah in the desert He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert. It would appear that to John and the early church that John is that voice calling. Their hope is that Their hope is in a God that does not give up on his people. Their hope is in a God who does not stop fulfilling his promises. He promises forgiveness and faithfulness and personal intervention. And John the Baptist recognises this happening in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. And we know that with genuine repentance comes forgiveness of sins and with forgiveness of sins comes salvation. And with salvation is a supernatural experience and a life filled with the Holy Spirit. And God promises a power at work in us that is spiritual, that is personal to change us and to teach us and guide us. Hope found from the presence of God. Have you experienced this hope? This new life that is both spiritual and personal. The intervention of God coming into your life. Ultimately, this will be seen in the second coming of Christ. Matthew 24.30 says, At the time the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. 
and I don't know what it's going to actually look like, but every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the name that is above every name, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. What a day that will be. What a time that will be. There's a second voice. Voice two. A voice says, cry out. Well, there's sort of two voices here, but God says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? Hope comes from God's word. You can sense the the mindset of Isaiah. After these 39 chapters of judgment and what just seems misery, what shall I cry out now? Things seem hopeless. Where do we find hope? All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. The word of our God stands forever. It seems that Isaiah is is almost teaching or is reasoning with himself. The utter frailty and the, the, the uselessness, the failure of placing hope in created things. Hope in the in the power of man. Hope in the power of an army, in the resources of humanity. Hope will only spring from a God who forgives his people of their sin. And we need to recognise that hope from any other source than God is, is utterly useless. It is hopeless. Humans greatest and humans best will fall and wither at the breath of the Lord. Don't place your hope in the might of military to defend our shores or the stock market to bounce back. Don't place your hope for life in scientists, the smartest people we've got, the astrophysicists, our judges. Hope will only rise in you when there is repentance of sin before your almighty God. When there is a personal and spiritual intervention from our God into our life. In 1 Peter 1, 
Peter tells his readers, it's not with silver or gold that you are redeemed, but the blood of Jesus. Through him you believe in God so that your faith and your hope are in God. You have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. And then he goes on to quote from Isaiah 40, the best humankind has to offer is like grass just being blown away. But God's word, his truth stands forever. Where does your hope, where does your hope come from this morning? Just quickly with voice three. Hope comes from our great shepherd who carries, who cares, who leads. Verse 9 says, You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. There's a call to the people to raise yourself from despair, raise yourself from any sense of hopelessness and lift your voice up and make it known that the Lord is coming. And he's coming, how? In the context here, like a shepherd. a shepherd for his people. He tends his flock, he gathers and carries the lambs in his arms. He gently leads. And as I thought about this, these, these attributes of, of our God, you can't help but go back to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want for anything. It makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads he guides, he restores. He knows you by name. He knows your weaknesses. He knows this week what you need. And he knows when you need it. So where does hope come from? Well, as we've seen this morning from a loving Faithful, forgiving God. From the presence of God. From God's word. From a sovereign God. A supreme, powerful God. Who cares and carries and leads like a shepherd. Our hope will be weakened if we ignore God. Our hope will be weakened if we don't come to his word and if we don't fall to our knees and pray to him. At the very beginning, I spoke about the the hope, the, the confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is based in his faithfulness. But if we don't know his promises, 
if we're not keeping in touch with our, our, our God, if we're not submitting to him, being obedient to him, listening to the spirit, we will quickly fall away from having the confident expectation. Uh, next week we come to some wonderful verses. Neville Evans from Temp Care is going to be taking us through the rest of the chapter. Expanding on God is greater and superior than anything. Because he is the creator of all things. And we come to the wonderful truth at the end of the chapter. Those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. Soar on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. Father, we come to you this morning in great thanks and appreciation and awareness that there is none other to place our hope in than God. And when we do, we will find failure and disappointment. Help us be disciplined in spending time with you, Lord. May that lead to trusting you more and more every day. We thank you for your word that is dependable. Thank you that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.